Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show where I welcome Chelsea Cole. And Chelsea is a licensed psychotherapist specializing in narcissistic abuse and relational trauma. She is the best-selling author of If Only I'd Known How to Outsmart Narcissists, Set Guilt-Free Boundaries, and Create Unshakable Self-Worth. And you guessed it, today we talk about being in a toxic or narcissistic relationship and how to navigate it, how to recognize the signs of it, how to figure out if it's something we should stay in and try to work out or something that we should move on from and so much more. And I give some personal examples about my relationship with my father and the challenges there. And uh, Chelsea actually gives some examples from a past romantic relationship. So what we talk about today applies to all relationships. And I think you guys will find a lot of value in today's conversation. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy today's show. Hi, Chelsea. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Today, we're going to talk about toxic relationships. And I thought a good place for us to start would be having you tell our listeners how to identify a toxic relationship and what it looks like. And then we'll talk about how to navigate and move through one. Yeah. You know, one of the first things that always stands out to me about toxic relationships is the hot and cold cycle that inevitably happens in these relationships. There is a sense of if you could just figure out what the problem is, like that's what so many people and clients end up coming to me for is they know something is off. They wonder if it's them. They wonder if it's their partner or their parent or their friend or colleague or whoever it is. They can't quite put their finger on what it is. They just know that they ruminate a lot. They keep having the same conversations over and over again with no real solution. You keep running into these situations where you're disagreeing even on reality. Like that's something that always stands out to me is with toxic people and narcissists, you can't really fix things because you can't even agree on what's happening. And so there's this constant push and pull of like, things are okay for a little while, but then inevitably something happens and you get stuck and you ruminate about it and then you argue about it and you try to come back and you try to fix it, but then you never quite can get anywhere. So maybe you kind of come to an impasse where you're like, okay, we're just gonna have to move on from this. Things are okay. But then inevitably a few weeks, a few days, a few months, like 
the same cycle, it, it keeps happening again. So there is this constant push and pull in toxic and narcissistic relationships. And how can we differentiate between, let's focus on a romantic partnership, because I also do want to talk about friends and family, but in a romantic partnership, how can we differentiate between a toxic pattern that is not helpful and then maybe a situation where we need to exit that relationship and a situation where, well, we're just not seeing eye to eye. We need to improve this. We can go to therapy and and move through it. Mm-hmm. You know, what's so interesting is that in narcissistic relationships, you can't just agree to disagree. You can't have a different opinion. Like it's not, it doesn't feel safe or okay to see things your own way, to have your own thoughts and feelings. That's always a big indicator to me, whether a relationship is healthy or toxic. And I can say for myself, I've had to learn this because I I did grow up with some healthy relationships, but I've had several narcissistic relationships throughout my life, narcissistic partners and um, more of a narcissist, neglectful narcissistic father. So I had to kind of learn what a healthy relationship should feel like because growing up, And throughout these other relationships, it was so normal for me to constantly be trying to make things better, to try to make things work, to have the same conversation over and over again. And I thought, well, we're just one insight away from making everything better. Like one book, one conversation, one good therapist. If we could just figure out what this is, then things would get better. And in healthy relationships, that is how it works. You can say, hey, we have a communication problem. We have, you know, differences in our personality in attachment styles. Those are legitimate things, but in toxic relationships, that's not what the issue is. The issue is that you're with someone who's invalidating your reality, who's criticizing you, who's gaslighting you. And the essence of gaslighting is that you can't have your own reality. The ultimate end of gaslighting for a narcissist is they become the filter through which you see the world. They control the narrative of the relationship. So you're, you're constantly questioning your own thoughts and feelings. You don't feel like you can, you're, you're, or you're allowed to have your own thoughts and feelings because this person is constantly telling you that your opinion, the way that you view things, the way you approach things, like essentially you're the problem. Like that's what you keep getting from a narcissist. Can you give a specific example? It can be a made up example of how this plays out. So someone listening can maybe try to compare that or have an idea of of what exactly a a situation would look like. Mm -hmm. I'm running through my mind right now because there's so so many ways that um, like this can, that this can show up in our lives. Um, One thing that I've seen a lot with clients is They'll have, so in a romantic partnership, let's say, you will, okay, I'll give you an example. I'm working with with a client and she's been doing couples therapy with her narcissistic husband. And they're, they're kind of on the brink of like, are we getting divorced or are we staying together? And it's been such a struggle because they'll go to couples therapy. He'll monopolize the whole thing. He comes across as very charming to the couples therapist. And she leaves like feeling awful because she's there. She's genuine. And he just gives the couples therapist all these ways that she's not being there for him. She's not being understanding enough, not being patient enough. And then the therapist is taking that like, oh, he wants to fix things. He wants to make things better. 
let's work on your communication. Or, you know, she asks my client, I'm working with the wife in this situation, like, well, what can you do? And are you hearing what he's saying? And can you show up for him more? Like, can you give him this? But my client is doing everything. She's trying really, really hard to meet his expectations, but the goalpost is always changing. So as soon as she does one thing he wants, then he's like, well, I didn't want it like that. Or, well, yeah, you shared your feelings with me and I wanted you to do, um, but I wasn't ready to hear it. And now you're getting upset or she just doesn't show up for him in the way that he wants her to show up for him. So then it's this constant like, cycle of, okay, so she's just trying to kind of make herself fit into what he says he wants. But then as soon as she does, he changes it and says, well, that's not good enough, or that's not how I wanted it. Um, And all the while, he is really not doing anything she's asking. He tells her like all this other stuff that he's doing, all the ways he's trying to make this relationship better and how, you know, he cares about her and the kids but then he won't do the one thing she asks, which is to be you know, more present, to actually have respect for her feelings and her thoughts and listen when she talks and actually remember what she says. And so narcissists are really good at saying they're doing all these things, but then they don't do the one thing you are asking them to do. It's important to to understand these traits and recognize these patterns mm-hmm. if we're in a, in a relationship with a narcissist. But it could be tricky, right? Because, you know, your example, they had a family and kids and you were in love with this person and you have a history and you want to, to hope and, and think that they can change. And I believe people can change. But through my own experience with a family member, sometimes, I mean, it's been years and, and there's been no change. And I want to shift and, and talk about family and friends, but let's stay with the romantic partner. So what can we do if we recognize we're in a relationship with a narcissist? They're blaming us for all the problems we're being gaslit, but we love them and we want to make it work. And we're going to therapy or maybe we're going to start therapy. Is there a way to right the ship? Have you seen that with your clients ever? How can we move forward rather than just say, okay, that's a relationship that needs to end? Mm -hmm. The first thing I encourage people to start doing is taking a step back because especially in a toxic relationship, you're ruminating so much, you're putting so much effort into it, you're reading the books, you're listening to the podcasts, you're having the conversations. There's so much energy going into trying to save or make this relationship better or fix things. And it's like being so close to a painting that you don't get to see the whole thing. Like if you're, you know, standing up so close to something that your nose, the tip of your nose is like touching the painting. All you see is like this little frame right here, like just a few colors. You have no idea what's this bigger picture, like what it is. And so we have to get distance from this relationship, from what is happening. So I encourage people to do something called metacognition, which is essentially a fancy way of saying, think about your own thoughts, kind of reflect on how you feel around this person. Um, be thinking about like, what are you ruminating on? And really what you want to be looking at observing is observing patterns of behavior over time. Like take a step back instead of constantly trying to figure out what's going on, just step back and see, see what this person is doing. See if their words and actions are matching because 
that's what is consistently lacking is yes, narcissists, toxic people are so good at selling you the world. It's selling you on this ideal life relationship or family you could have if only you could be good enough. So you try really hard to be good enough, but narcissists are never going to let you feel like you're enough, which leaves you feeling isolated, alone, broken, like no one understands what you're going through. And initially, you don't even know what you're going through because what narcissists do is so crazy, you feel crazy for explaining it. And that's why it's so important to take that mental and emotional step back, write things down, just you know, make a note like, this is the conversation we had. I said this, they said this. You don't know yet. You don't know what that means yet. You're just going to give it some time and space so you can collect some documentation, essentially some evidence to to see the patterns that are happening in the relationships. And then once you have that information, you can do something with with what comes from that. Let's talk about that. What would be a next step uh, for someone that that's coming to this realization? Mm-hmm. Well, that's when you can start putting things together. I often tell my clients because they kind of come with like a bunch of things that don't make sense. And they're like, I don't even know where to start. I don't know what's going on here. And I say, you know what? That's exactly where healing starts. So we're just going to lay all the puzzle pieces out and then look at them and put them back in a way that makes sense. So we can build this puzzle together. And so once you've started noticing these patterns, and if you're dealing with a narcissist, you're going to notice patterns of inconsistencies, of manipulation, twisting your words, gaslighting, meaning they question your reality. They kind of make you feel like you're going crazy. They always push the problems on you. Narcissists are quite rigid and grandiose. Um, they are entitled, so they believe they deserve special treatment. So they'll have one rule set of rules for you and one set of rules for them. And they're always the exception to the rule. Like, you know. They may criticize you for staying out late because you went out with your friends, even though you totally communicated this with them. But then they can go out and be out really late after work and never having told you. And then they'll say, well, you're you're crazy and controlling just because you asked where they were. Like it's two totally different sets of rules. So once you start to see these patterns, that's when you can look at what the options you have. Because like you said, this may be a person that's in your family. This may be a person that you have kids with, that you have an attachment with. So this whole, we'll just leave or go no contact. Like if this is such a bad relationship, then why didn't you just leave them? Why are you putting up with this? That's not always an option for people. You know, it's not always that easy, but you can start to look at, okay, if these are the patterns and this is what keeps happening, radical acceptance is, is part of what has to happen. Like this is who this person is. This is who they've consistently been. We go in this up and down cycle. They promise the world, but then inevitably the conflict happens again. They lie. They're, they're manipulative. They're inconsistent. So how can I then protect myself? How can I start to set those mental and emotional boundaries where I'm not buying into their reality anymore? I'm not buying into their version or their narrative that I'm the problem. And that if I could just be good enough that everything would be fine because maybe you've tried for months, years, or decades to do what they want. And it's still not enough. So it's not, it's, you're not the problem because you can't solve a problem you're not causing. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Do you want to know one of my favorite meals? 
It's a slice of toasted bread with tomato, mozzarella, basil, olive oil, salt and pepper, and a little drizzle of balsamic glaze. Makes my heart happy. It's so simple. It's so delicious. And I love that all the ingredients get to show off their individual flavors. I used to eat it all the time as my easy go-to meal. And then all of a sudden, there was a ton of messaging out there telling me that I shouldn't eat carbs and that I shouldn't eat bread and that bread is bad. And I hate to admit it, but I cut out bread entirely for the longest time. And it wasn't until recently that I started to understand that not all bread is created equal. Hero Bread makes those same delicious favorites free of consequences or compromises. They've remade carby, empty-calorie bread products into fluffy, delicious versions that include no-net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and fewer calories, plus protein and fiber. I highly recommend that you give their bread a try. They're giving Relationship Advice listeners 10% off when you visit Hero dot co and use the code I do at checkout. I was so excited to discover Hero Bread. It's truly amazing. And they've made a product that is tasty and soft while having zero to one grams of net carbs, zero grams of sugar and high in fiber. I'm not going to lie. Their white bread is so good and it makes the best tomato and mozzarella sandwich. Last week, Stella and I were back in Florida visiting our family and we all walked to the lake and the only bread we had in the house was Hero Bread. So we grabbed a slice, walked to the lake, and by the time we got there, Stella had eaten the whole piece of bread and of course, wanted more. So the poor ducks didn't get any Hero Bread, but Stella did. Since I had cut out bread for a while, every time I ate low-quality bread, my body felt bad. It felt bloated and I didn't feel great. But with Hero Bread, I feel good after eating it, which makes my life so much easier because now I can go back to my easy grab and go sandwiches when I'm on the run. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code I do at checkout. That's I do at H-E-R-O.co. When you work full-time, have kids, and run a podcast, it's hard to make time for a multiple-step skincare protocol. That's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, OneSkin. Their products make it easy to keep your skin healthy while looking and feeling your best. Let me repeat it. They make it easy... No complicated routine, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. If you're looking for skincare products that are simple and effective, for a limited time, you'll get an exclusive 15% off your first OneSkin purchase when using the code IDO when you check out at oneskin.co. I've been using OneSkin's body lotion for about a month, and I've already seen noticeable improvements with small wrinkles and textures on my skin, specifically on the back of my neck and the back of my hands, two places where I get a lot of sun. Plus, my skin looks and feels healthier all around. It's all thanks to OneSkin's revolutionary OS-01 peptide, the first ingredient proven to deactivate aging cells responsible for lines, wrinkles, and thinning skin. Unlike traditional skincare products that only mask symptoms, OneSkin pioneered a new approach integrating tissue engineering and cutting-edge science to enhance skin biology for lasting resilience against aging. 
OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using the code IDO at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with the code IDO. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support your show and tell them we sent you. I'll just share a little bit with an example from my experience with a family member. Hopefully this will be helpful for our listeners because, yeah, it took a while and it was it was with with my dad to realize that I can't change him and that this behavior is a reflection of him and and not me. And, you know, I was like, try to have adult communication, try to, as you said, you know, really ruminating on things. How can I approach this? How can I have a relationship with him that serves me or not serves me, but, but at least doesn't disserve me. And I got to a place where it just didn't, Makes sense. Every interaction I would leave feeling worse and it wasn't valuable. And for me in this instance, I just realized I didn't have to be mean or say anything harsh, but I basically just stopped communicating. You know, we live far apart, so that's not hard to do. It's not like we're in, we're not even in the same country and it's sad and it upsets me, but I, I, I do have more peace of mind and and I feel okay with the situation. And I have intermittently reached out and, and just been met with a similar pattern of negativity. With all that said, how can someone, you know, reconcile this? Let's, let's say it's, it's with a, a family member. Is there a, a place that we can move forward and try to have a relationship? Or is it that we go cold turkey? I know there's not a, a, prescription for one thing, but maybe you could just talk about that, that process as, as if I was a client of yours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And actually reminds me of a client that I'm working with right now. Both of her parents are quite narcissistic, but they are different types of narcissists. That's a whole nother conversation, but one is more grandiose and one is more vulnerable, meaning the, the vulnerable parent is very hypersensitive to criticism, brings, tries to bring people in through, um, guilt and pity, like feeling sorry for me. They, they're constantly the victim, but they don't do anything to help themselves. And they still blame others for not doing enough for them. Like it's just never enough, which is the mantra for all narcissistic relationships. But she and I have been working together, first of all, to see what was happening. Like we put those puzzle pieces together and like, okay, my parents are narcissistic. They're not going to change. They're basic, you know, they're in their what seventies at this point. Like it is what it is. I've tried my whole life, like speaking from my client's perspective, she's tried her whole life to be everything for them and to be the daughter, you know, quote, good daughter. And she's still meeting their needs. Like one of them lives with her. Another one she calls and checks on. She takes her to the doctor's appointments. But what's changed is that she no longer buys into their narrative that she is a bad person if she doesn't do exactly what they want. Like if a narcissist, the narcissistic parent wants her to like call, literally call them or like go check on them every time to make sure they're taking their medicine. Like the narcissistic parent just will not take responsibility for taking care of the medicine. Like they can, but they just keep complaining about how no one checks on them enough and no one gives them enough 
like this parent actually lives with her, like in another suite, like they're doing more than enough for this parent. And now where she would have bought into that and say, oh my goodness, yeah, I need to go check on you. I probably need to come, like, make sure you're okay. Make sure you're taking your medicine. Make sure you're doing all these things that she's done for years. Now she's like, huh, kind of notices in her head. There's that gaslighting again. There's the guilt trip. There's the manipulation. This is what they want from me. I see it all happening, but I'm not buying into it anymore. And like, that's the mental and emotional boundary I'm talking about and the freedom that can come from when you see this, then the narcissist is no longer in charge of reality. You get your reality back. You get to say, I see what's happening here. And that's not true. I am being a good daughter. Like I am showing up for you. And I'm not getting sucked into this guilt trippy world that the narcissistic parent in this case wants her to buy into. So she gets to you know, set those boundaries and decide what feels safe and healthy for her. That's valuable. And within those boundaries, I guess, to go back to my example and do a little therapy on my situation, <laughs> I did realize that, that, you know, I'm, I'm a good son, I'm showing up. And I did get to a place where it was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to realize that and I'll continue to to reach out. And it had been just a series of communications that continued to just leave me feeling really not good, you know, of dealing with the negativity coming my way. And I'm like, why am I putting myself through this? And, and yeah, and that's when I decided, like I said, to stop the communication. I think then I had to deal with, you know, guilt around that just for myself and battling this idea that like, blood is thicker than water. And because he's my father, I need to, you know, I need to have a relationship or he needs to have a relationship with my daughter. And I'm not actively trying to suppress that. And, you know, and like I said, I'm not saying I hate you and get out of my life. It's just like I've been clear by my lack of communication. And we have kind of like a back channel through my mom. My parents aren't together, but she's very much not like that. And and so what would you tell me, you know, in, in this situation? It does bother me that I don't have a relationship with my father. And it's been tricky to accept this idea that he's not going to change. Like I said, I I, I want to believe people can change, but I think at a certain point, and maybe you could speak to this, especially if it's a personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, like he's not going to change and I can accept him for who he is, but that doesn't mean I need to have a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple of things there. So I guess I would like if we were working together and guilt is such a common experience for narcissistic abuse survivors and what keeps them in the relationship for so long, because we do have these ideas around, well, what does it mean to be a good daughter or a good parent or, you know, marriage is hard work, but that doesn't mean you just leave or you have to be, you know, loyal and give second chances like see the good in people because that makes you a good person. Like we have all these ideas around how we should be, especially in relationships. And that keeps us stuck with narcissists. So I guess I would be curious about where you think the guilt is coming from. Like what's, what's behind or what's, yeah, what's driving the guilt? Yeah, I guess, you know, I, I love my dad and I know he is only doing what he knows, you know, like he's a product of his upbringing. And because I, 
I know he wants to have a relationship with me, but it, I think this is the most frustrating part is, but it's like he years and years would just continue to do, you know, the same pattern. And I would communicate, you know, how it bothered me. And there'd be like pretty obvious things to me. I didn't feel like I was asking a lot. So there's some guilt around not, I guess, being the bigger person and just having a relationship with him for his sake almost. And and I tried that. And then, and as I said, it would just be this repeated pattern of being met with really negative interactions that just left me sad and, and angry and frustrated. Um, and, and again, this is after trying to go to therapy with him and really work it out in an adult way. So yeah, I guess that is a, a bit of the guilt. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I, and what stands out to me is, you know, you've mentioned like that people can change and in general, sure, people can change. And if any narcissist or toxic person is willing to do the hard work of acknowledging their behaviors and, you know, going to therapy and like being intentional and taking responsibility, then that's great. I'm a big believer in that people's actions speak louder than words and who we are is who we are over time consistently. And so I think when you get to a point where you really set these firm boundaries or you disengage or you go no contact, and that doesn't have to be a permanent thing, but maybe it's even for a short amount of time, like there's a reason you got there. And I think that's why writing things down can be so helpful because in a moment of weakness, like when you watch a movie and there's a child and a parent that has such a good interaction or such a good relationship. And maybe it touches a part of you that you always wanted that with that parent and you don't have it. And then it brings up the grief. And then there's the rumination of, well, maybe I should have given them another chance. Maybe I should go back. Maybe I was too sensitive about that. And then you try to reach back out, but then it's the same negative interaction and you leave feeling worse. And so that's where we have to really have realistic expectations about why we took a step back. Like it's, it's never an easy thing, especially when a child has to do that with a parent. Like we're born with a need to attach. We want to attach to our parents and we want that desperately to be a healthy relationship. But healthy relationships should never require you to sacrifice yourself. Sure, there's a give and take. There's ups and downs. There's, there's ups and downs, but there's gives and takes and a give and take in relationships where maybe sometimes you're, you just have more emotional bandwidth than they do at this time in life. But if it's consistently you're giving and they're taking and there's not an acknowledgement of your experience, like that's the part that really stands out to me. If, if you can have a conversation with a parent, whoever, and they say, Oh, I didn't realize I was coming across that way. Like, I'm sorry, even if that wasn't their intention, even if they were doing what they thought was best, can they acknowledge that that's not the way that you took it or that's not the way it came across? If yes, you can move forward with that. But if this, if you have to argue about reality or if you have to justify how you feel, then that's where you have to start making those tough decisions. Yeah, and for me, I found that there's been some resistance to the acceptance part, you know, the acceptance of this reality that, to go with my example, that that my father at this time 
is not capable of that acknowledgement. And and I, I imagine that's a situation that people in, in these kinds of relationships would encounter because you want to believe, you know, this person that you love, romantic partner, parent is capable, you know, or, or can acknowledge your feelings or can, you know, have a different interaction. And if they continue to show you with their actions that they're not, yeah, to me, for me personally, that's been hard to just accept that. It's like, surely <laughs> you could, you know, do something as simple as X, Y, Z. I'm not asking a lot here in this situation. Again, our, our parents, we don't choose them. So that's to me a little bit different than a, a romantic relationship. But yeah, I just wanted to highlight that, that it's been valuable still working through it, but to, to work towards that acceptance of this is who, who they are. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Hey, Love Tribe. I just want to ask you a few questions. I want to know why you guys are here. Are you here because you want to stop bickering with your partner? Do you want to feel truly heard? Are you looking for ways to reignite your sex life? Or do you want to feel more emotionally connected with your partner? And let's not forget about the fun. Do you long for those fun, giggly moments at the beginning of your relationship? Over the last decade of hosting this podcast with Chase, these have been our top questions. And we get it. We've been there. And that's why we created Spark My Relationship course, because we wanted to put the tools to unlocking a fulfilling relationship right in your hands. So we're offering this course, Spark My Relationship, for only $100 until April 6th. In less than 90 days, this self-paced course will help you create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner all while having fun doing it. We've collaborated with over 15 psychologists and therapists to bring you the strategies that marriage therapists teach their clients. This offer is only going to last until Saturday, April 6th. So head on over to our website, sparkmyrelationship.com and use the code FLASH24 at checkout to get the course for only $100. That's nearly 60% off and it won't last. The sale ends April 6th. That's sparkmyrelationship.com and use the code FLASH24 to get our course for only $100. Hey, Love Tribe. I have just a few questions for you. I want to know why you are here listening to the podcast. Are you here because you want to stop bickering with your partner? and you want to feel truly heard? Or are you looking for ways to reignite your sex life? Or do you want to feel more emotionally connected with your partner? Or do you just long for those fun, giggly moments of connection that you used to have at the beginning of your relationship? Well, over the last decade of hosting this podcast, those were the main reasons people tuned into the show. And we get it. We've been there. So we created our course, Spark My Relationship, because we wanted to put those tools to unlocking a fulfilling relationship right in your hands. We're offering $100 off our course, Spark My Relationship, which is a self-paced course designed to help you create more passion, improve your communication, and build a strong 
stronger, more intimate connection with your partner and have an amazing time doing it. We've collaborated with over 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies that marriage therapists teach their clients. So to unlock this special offer of our course, our listeners can visit Spark myrelationship.com slash unlock to get $100 off. That's sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. There's a grief process. There's a special kind of grief that happens when you have to distance or, or radically accept that a relationship will never be, at least for the stable future, never be what you wanted it to be. But that person's still alive or they're still in your life in some way. Like that's, that's a very unique kind of grief when that happens, because it's much different. What we call, you know, simple grief, even though it's not simple, but when someone passes away and you had a good relationship with them, you know, there's, there's grief around that, you know, what you're grieving, you understand it, you miss this person. There's no confusion about was this person healthy or toxic? Like, you know what the relationship was. You just genuinely miss them. You're feeling that that loneliness being apart from them. When you have to grieve someone who's still alive or still present some way in your life, like there's a lot of layers to that because you're grieving what was, what you hoped it could be, what you thought that maybe it was, and then turned out it wasn't actually what you thought it was. Like, there's a lot of grief around that. And so that's what we call more complex grief because it's not so simple. You're you're having to make sense of how do I move about in the world knowing that there's this relationship I want to have that I didn't have, that it was something that I thought it could be or I thought it was better than it was. Like that takes a while. And sometimes we mistake the grief for I made a mistake or I should have tried harder, or I could have done more, or maybe this person can change or will change. Maybe I should have done something different. Maybe this was partly my fault. I think because we're trying to work out, what do I do with this grief? You know, that's uncomfortable. And that can leave us in this state of confusion or possibly regret about what we did. But again, that's why I think that writing things down can be so important of how many times, like in your instance, like how many times did you have the same conversation with dad? Or how many times did you try to approach, you know, whatever your concern was or tell them how you felt and you just got met with that resistance? Like that is partly what we need to be able to heal and and know what to do with the ruminations and the grief that it comes up. Like it's just, it's sad, but that doesn't mean you caused it because from what I'm hearing, you were the one willing to step forward and say, hey, I want to make this better because I want to keep this relationship. He was the one at this time who wasn't able to take that step forward too. Right. And I appreciate working through this example and hopefully this is valuable to our listeners. Can you talk a little bit about I want to shift back to a romantic relationship. And we talked about identifying the the signs that we're in a narcissistic relationship and then steps to take. Obviously, it's very nuanced and, and every situation is going to be different. But when does someone in that romantic narcissistic relationship make a decision or or how do they move 
through really deciding whether to work on it and monitor that, see what the actions are, and then ending that relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, it's it is nuanced depending on the relationship. Of course, like there's all kinds of reasons people might stay: religion, culture, family, uh, kids, finances. Maybe you want to stay. I know a lot of my clients don't recognize that they're dealing with this toxic person until maybe they're in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and they've spent most of their life with this person. They're like, you know what? At this point, it's just not feasible. It just, it would be so much of an upending of my life. It's not worth it, but I still need to figure out how do I move forward? But for some people, they do decide that they get to a point where it's not worth it. And that's a, it's a hard decision to make. But I think what I've seen is, when you can no longer be any resemblance of yourself in that relationship, like when you just completely, every time you interact with this person, you're you're depressed, you're anxious, you're hypervigilant, you feel like you've completely lost yourself, you've completely lost your hobbies, your interest, any foundation or pillar of who you are, and you can just no longer function in any kind of healthy way in that relationship. That's when I see people get to the point of, okay, something has to change here. Like I'll, I'll speak for me personally. I, I can really stay in toxic relationships. When I look back, like how many years I stayed, like, man, I really beat a dead horse there because of all the things we've been talking about. And because of just thinking I can make this work, like we can figure this out. And it wasn't until a moment where I had been working with this person, we've been going to therapy. Oh, we've been doing all the things like, and I had been journaling and I had been doing my own therapy and I had been working on myself and I'd been going to therapy with this person. And, and I thought they were kind of getting it. Like there were kind of glimpses of acknowledgement of some things, not really the whole thing, but I thought, okay, this is enough that we're getting somewhere. But I remember this particular evening we had a conversation and I was just really happily talking about what are your plans for the next year? What are your New Year's resolutions? What are your goals? Because I knew this was going to be really important for us to continue healing our relationship. Like they had to be committed to their goals. And and that's really how I, I connect as well. And I thought we were on this path together and they just like, flippantly threw it off. Like, well, I I haven't had time to do that. Like I've been doing this other thing. And that seems like maybe a small thing, but there's a huge backstory there. I've been working with this person for years and giving, giving, giving. And something about that conversation just smacked me in the face. Like I will end up sacrificing my whole life for this person if I don't stop looking at reality instead of potential. And that's me. Like I, I can see potential. I can see the good in people. I still do. But now I also allow people's actions to speak for themselves. I don't take their, you know, the glimpses and go, oh, they get it. Oh, it means this. Oh, we're going to be good. I accept people and I accept where they are. And if they say by their actions or words, that's not important to them, then I accept, okay, that's not important to them. That's where they are. And that's where this relationship is going to be. So at that point, that's when I started taking the steps to have to end that relationship. Thank you for that example. And and that's such an important point of accepting someone for where they're at and, and not their potential. And I totally relate to your outlook of 
you want to believe someone can change or or that something can work not even that someone can change that hey we can we can make this work and i forget who said this might have been in the context of business but a reality distortion field that we can create these stories in in all facets of our life and we have a story that is not the reality so i think taking that pause for you it was this person their reaction to the future and and that seemed to snap you out of the distortion field of going oh we are not on the same page and and this person and then yeah we can reflect on the actions and and then be really honest with ourselves because of course we want to feel connected we have the you know this sunk cost fallacy right that we put so much work in and if we just <laughs> keep doing it. Or if we just get there, then we'll be okay. I've been there too. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners and there are instances where it is worth it. But I think if we're really honest with ourselves, we can hopefully prevent a lot of pain. And I don't want to say wasted time because all of these things are are learning, right? And then that can help us attract a better relationship with another person, with ourselves. But that's why I think these conversations are so valuable because the things that you're sharing that someone listening go, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm being a bit delusional right now with myself. We've been trying this for years. It's been the same pattern. Let me take a step back and and look at the actions. It's so difficult. You know, again, it's easier said than done, but I think this will reach the right people at the right time. And uh, maybe it's a conversation like what you had, or maybe it's this conversation that you and I are having that can bring that person to more of the reality and give them a, a relationship that is positive and uplifting. And so I, I appreciate you sharing, Chelsea, and, and also indulging uh, me in my uh, relationship with my father. Both of these things, romantic relationships, relationships with family and friends, there's a common thread here uh, of what we're talking about. And I think we covered a lot. So, so thank you so much. Before we wrap up, can you tell our listeners where they can find you online? And if there's anything you want to leave our listeners with, and then we'll say goodbye. Yes, definitely. Well, I have a really active community on Facebook is my biggest. And I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and LinkedIn. But if you're really resonating with this conversation, I do have a new book out called If Only I'd Known, How to Outsmart Narcissists, Set Guilt-Free Boundaries, and Create Unshakable Self-Worth. You can actually get the first chapter for free on my website, um, chelseabrookhole.com. You also find a whole lot more resources there. I have a free bi-monthly newsletter where I kind of break down narcissistic behaviors and also teach you how to heal. So you can find a lot more more resources there as well. Beautiful. We will have those links in our show notes and on our website. And thank you for taking the time to come on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys so much for tuning into today's episode. As always, all the links to the guest as well as any of their recommendations will be in the show notes page. You can find the link to that in the episode description or by going to idopodcast.com. Click on the podcast tab up at the top and you will have access to all the episodes that we've ever done. There are over 300 of them. Uh, And while you're on our website, if you haven't checked out our free 14-day happy couple challenge, We really hope you do. It's a free email challenge that we send to you. It's 14 days of fun, easy, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. 
And if you're looking for something that provides a little more help with working on your relationship, whether it's improving intimacy or communication with your partner or just bringing the spark back, we would love for you guys to check out our online course, Spark My Relationship. We're offering $100 off to all of our listeners if you go to sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. We've worked with over 15 psychologists and therapists to create the real life tools and strategies that they are teaching their clients. So we wanted to give them to you. It's a self-paced online course that can be done in as little as a month or up to three months. You can really decide how much or how little you want to do with your partner or maybe just yourself. So we hope you guys check that out. It's sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. Have a great day. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.